Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Well, it's good to be here today. Thank you, worship team. That was amazing. Never heard that song before. That was awesome. (laughs) How many of you have seen the movie Happy Feet? Great. Isn't that an awesome movie? For those of you who haven't witnessed it, it's this exciting story of this young penguin who has to overcome being the outcast. And he's an outcast because he is physically unable to fit in socially. See, in the penguin colony, every penguin has a heart song that they're able to sing. And the purpose of that is for finding a mate. However, Mumble, the protagonist of the movie, he can't carry a tune in a bucket. (laughs) Instead, he is incredibly gifted with dancing. However, it's that dancing that led to his shame. He was publicly ridiculed. In fact, it was said of Mumble, a penguin without a heart song is hardly a penguin at all. The rejection of his peers caused Mumble to feel ashamed of who he was. So social pressures can be crippling. Have you guys ever faced that fear in your lives? Have you ever filled what afraid of what people might think of you? Have you ever feared how they might view your faith? And I'd like to think that everybody in here is beyond thinking that Christians are exempt from that type of fear because it truly reaches down even to the 50-year strong Christian through to the newest believer in Christ's church. It's something that truly tugs at the heart of us all. Some of us don't know how to confront same-sex marriage in the church. Others aren't sure what the role of baptism is in faith. And still there's others that, well, they don't know what women's role in ministry is. And it's those type of fears that really sink in deep into our lives. And I'd like us to walk through a story in Galatians 2 today. And I'd love for you to follow along in your Bibles or on your phone. Let's just set them to airplane mode so we can intently listen to what Jesus is telling Paul and what he's communicating to us. Now, we all know how influential Peter was in the early church. He was this guy that got authentic, hands-on training with Jesus. He was bound to impact the kingdom in a big way. But we also see that he's a guy with real fears. Peter was the guy that stepped out of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But he was that same guy that sunk in the water with Jesus standing right in front of him. He was the same guy that had the huge confession that we all know. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yet on the night of Jesus' trial... He denied him three times publicly. Peter gives us a glimpse of how someone can let fear impact their faith. And the church really started, as we read in Acts, in Jerusalem. So naturally, the Jews were the first ones reached with the gospel. Pentecost, see, thousands of Jews come to faith in Jesus. And as the story developed through Acts, 
we see that Jesus had to remind Peter that the Jews were not the only target audience. Jesus died for more than that. So with the gentle nudging, he had to call Peter to go and preach the gospel at Cornelius' house. And he did so. And in that moment, this amazing thing happens. Peter realized that salvation is not for the Jews only, but for everyone. And I think that's something that we can all say hallelujah to. Amen? Because without that moment, where would we be? It's a huge step in history. And we recall later on in Acts that, that Peter was in prison for his faith under Herod. And this miraculous escape takes place. And eventually, Peter heads up to Antioch. And the church, at that time, was making big strides in getting the gospel out to the Gentiles. In fact, during this time that he showed up, it was right after Paul and Barnabas had been sent out on their first missionary journey. And Paul, early on in Galatians 2, talks about how Peter and John and James all extended their right hand in fellowship with, Peter, with Paul because the story was the same. The gospel was the same. Everybody was on the same page. And we see this awesome teamwork taking place where Paul was going to the Gentiles. And down in Jerusalem, we got Peter and John and James reaching out to the Jews. The same gospel is a tying both cultures together. And that brings us to this section I'm going to talk about today in verses 11 through 21. Peter's in Antioch. There's this awesome fellowship taking place. He's there with them, visiting. They're having fellowship, worshiping Jesus together, living out their faith. They're sitting around the same table eating dinner together, which is a huge deal back in that time. How many of you went to Missions Emphasis Week in one, uh, one voice? It's not an amazing event to partake in. For those that haven't gone to it, it's this time where we as a school, we reach out to the multi-ethnic congregations throughout Boise, and we, we come together to eat, to worship, and to re reflect on just how awesome, far, and wide God's love truly goes. It's how he's wanted it from the beginning. And that's the type of worship that Peter was having. It goes beyond how we dress, how we look, how we speak, what lifestyles that we're living. That's what he was having in Antioch. They were living out their faith in Jesus with one another. The gospel of Jesus was bringing two conflicting cultures together in this beautiful, amazing unity. But something went wrong. In the middle of all of that awesomeness taking place inside that church, fear rigged its, uh, reared its ugly face. Out of fear of social pressure, Peter starts turning his back on the Gentiles. Paul tells us that Peter feared what um, these people that came from James with the Jewish traditions, uh, when they showed up, he didn't know how to reply to that. And so... I think uh, what John touched on last week really speaks to this effect that the Judaizers had quite the impact, not only on the Galatians, but we can see that Peter was impacted by them, and it was obvious to everyone there. I'd like to ask you, is, is there anybody in your life that would have that impact on you? Who would cause you to turn your back on your Christian friends? Has that happened in your past? Has it happened on this campus? 
I think we need to reflect on that. And perhaps Peter valued the opinions of the guys who showed up from James because, remember, he wanted to keep his witness really alive with the Jews. That's who his target audience was. And socially speaking, there was an expectation of a Jewish believer in that time still. And to mingle with the Gentiles, well, that would have limited his reach to the Jews. And whether he realized it or not, when Peter separated himself from the, Christian, the Gentile Christians, well, he's really opposing what the gospel stood for. To Peter, the separation really showed that the Gentiles were missing something. They were missing something socially oriented, that's for sure to him. They didn't meet a requirement. And so he did not simply just separate himself from fellowship there, but Paul tells us that he was really trying to force them to follow these Jewish customs. And that's why, uh, why Paul confronts Peter so frankly, because Peter's fear caused him to compromise what the gospel stood for. Remember, they had already agreed on what the gospel was. Everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ is made right before God. And to add anything on top of that is to undermine all the work that Jesus did on the cross. It's to say to Jesus that you did not do enough. We need a little bit more. So, on one hand, we can see that Peter, he shows up and he's like facilitating this awesome fellowship, acting like a Gentile, doing all this with them. And then on the other hand, he's a Jew to them. And he separates himself. And Paul gives us a word that Peter was, a hypocrite. Because Peter knew what the truth of the gospel was. Yet he allowed his fear to cause him to act in opposite of what the truth was. He was playing the hypocrite. I'm going to get a little nerdy here because I feel like this word is important. It's one of my favorite words because I used to practice it quite a bit. A hypocrite, back when Jewish, or Jewish, Greek theater took place, the actors would play multiple roles. And so to switch between roles, they would have a mask that they'd put on their face to go back and forth. Well, eventually the word evolved into this this moral view that when a person was acting like a hypocrite, they were insincere, they were being fake, they were two-faced. This is kind of when we do something and act a certain way, but we have to constantly look over our shoulder to see if anybody saw us. It, it goes beyond us running a red light and looking in the rearview mirror and seeing if anybody saw us, right? No, this... This comes down to the point where we have a reading assignment and we read 50% of it. But when the attendance sheet comes around, we put 100% because we don't want to be judged that way. Or it's when somebody comes up to you and they tell you about an issue and you're like, oh, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but there's no intention to pray. I'm so regretful of doing that. And for Peter's hypocrisy, he stood condemned, as Paul put it. Bill Briley from the North End Collective recently came and spoke in our life and ministry class, and he talked about the effect that fear has on our faith. Bill said, faith gives us a capacity to think of possibilities, while fear limits us creatively. 
That stood out to me. Fear limits us. Do you think that fear limited Peter here? How many of you have been driving and all of a sudden you see a cop? What is the first thing that you do when you see him? Anybody start raising your foot off the gas a little bit? Regardless of whether you're going the speed limit or not, you do it. And I know I'm not the only one that's done that. Because there's this fear that we're naturally inclined to do something wrong. When somebody enters the picture and you're like, oh, that reminds me. You know, to be honest, Dr. Williams and Professor Russell have me taking my foot off the gas. Guys, because I want approval. I want to do right by people. And it's that type of fear that limits us. It's that type of fear that changes our perspective on what God's truth is. And it can eventually lead us to compromise what the truth of the gospel is. So it's not about what we're doing right by other standards. We should be living by what the gospel is, what it requires of us. And what was so disastrous about Peter's hypocrisy was how contagious it was in the church in Antioch. I mean, if we look at the context of this, we have Peter showing up, this pillar of the church, an apostle. And he shows up and he tells Antioch, oh, we got to change fellowship practices around here. His integrity was broken. His presence had an impact. And we can see that it was both good and bad. I mean, can you imagine Peter arriving in Antioch, this growing congregation that's just sending people out to go and reach the Gentiles, and he'd be like, yeah, he showed up. This magnificent guy in his faith, a significant player in the church at large. Those who were growing in their faith would have looked up to this guy and said, Dad, I, I got to live like this because he's big. He'd be an, an example to them. However sweet that was, though, it only added to the destructive force that it had when he turned his back on them. And we could see that fellow Jewish believers in that time followed suit. Barnabas, the same guy that went with Paul on his missionary journey to reach the Gentiles, he broke fellowship with them. Can you imagine what the Gentiles felt? They'd probably been like, well, <laughs> I got to follow suit with them. I got to fit in. What requirement do I need? Peter's compromising the gospel destroyed his witness. I think that's something that we need to recognize is how our faith impacts others. When we change our behavior because somebody we're trying to impress walks in the room, let me tell you, that's going to tell us where our allegiance lies. I love what John talked about last week, that our allegiance needs to be in the gospel, not in what others require of us. Whether Peter realized it or not, his compromise had major implications on what the gospel stood for, for the Gentiles. The fear that led Peter to that hypocrisy is as real today as it was back in his time. We know the truth just as well as Peter did. We got the gospel, we got the word, but how often do we simply say, man, all you have to do is pray Jesus into your heart? 
Sometimes the fear doesn't have us compromise where we add stuff to the gospel. Sometimes fear makes us simplify it down to what the gospel is not. It's something we need to be mindful of. Fear and failing Jesus can really lead to that. Because we want to do right by people. We have fear about telling people about sin because we don't want their feelings hurt. We fear about how they're going to react to us. Are they going to spit fire at us, throw water in our face? Let me tell you, I fear telling my older brother certain things because I want to build a relationship with him. But compromising the gospel, man, that just destroys my witness to him. I get caught up in that fear too often because it's dangerous allowing fear to lead us rather than letting the gospel lead us. And that's easier said than done. And the proof is in the pudding here. Peter, this amazing guy, fell victim to fear. How can we expect to do the same or not to do the same? Well, Paul, he had to remind him. He said, Peter, our faith is in someone greater than fear. Because it's easy to look at this section in Galatians 2. Where Paul's confronting Peter and saying, this is the model for how to rebuke someone. This is how we correct false teaching in the church. But I don't think that's what Paul's doing here. I think what we see here is a bigger issue at hand. Peter's actions showed that he felt like the Gentiles were missing something. So we just need to make some minor changes. But Paul comes back at him and says, no, Peter, <laughs> we're following the law and look, we're missing something. There's only one thing that will make somebody right with God. And that's found in the gospel. And that's Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I can't help but preach this message with some sort of study put in for you guys to see. We have to get a little nerdy again. The justification. It's such a vital word. And it's like, uh, I like simplifying it down to this idea of a teacher a professor is grading your paper, and you've handed it in, and he sees this paper, and you're sitting at 50% word count. You got, like, not enough commas. The cite count in text citations aren't reaching it. Maybe you have the word things used too many times. Those who have Professor Russell know what I'm talking about. Well, you've handed this paper in. Justification before God is like that teacher saying... I'm going to legally transfer an A onto this paper when it is obviously F material. God did that with our lives. Our, they are Fs at best. But through Christ, God gave us A pluses. That's what the truth of the gospel is. Jesus is the only one who makes people right before God. There's nothing else to be added to it. And that's why faith in Jesus is so vital to our integrity in how we present the gospel. Paul is showing truly that there is neither Gentile nor Jew, but that the determining factor in that is faith. And he'll speak a little further on that in the next couple of chapters in Galatians. Faith in Jesus is that complete trust that Jesus has done enough for me. 
It's complete trust that he's done enough for you. He's done enough for all who would call on his name as saving, your, saving Lord. It's, it's that trust in Jesus that's going to give us that confidence to confront those fears when they pop up. Faith gives us our integrity. And I absolutely love what Paul said regarding this. Verse 20 in chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I have in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's so beautiful. And to add anything else on top of that, man, can you imagine telling Jesus, Lord, man, he didn't do enough. He did do enough. Do you believe that? Man. This is one of those things that really touches at the heart of what the gospel is. So I got to witness uh, who Jesus was to some LDS missionaries two weeks ago. These guys were nice. We had dinner together. Uh, we met twice. And our second night <clears throat> during that time, our conversation really turned argumentative. And, uh, you know, I was confident in my faith. I was confident knowing who Jesus is. But to see this foe in front of me, man, it's hard. Because it's life and death that we're talking about. We're talking about the gospel. So, man, they ended up walking out on me because they asked me the question, well, don't you believe that we believe in the same Jesus as you? Man, I was confronted by that fear that, man, you, maybe it's a little bit different. But no, I couldn't. So I told them, no, you don't believe in the true Jesus. That fear pops up so often in our lives. Jesus shows us through Paul's writing that he has released us from the fear of needing to work for our salvation. He's released us from fear altogether because faith in Jesus is enough to overcome that no matter when it pops up. We can't allow fear to lead us to compromise the gospel because at some point, we need to quit with the fear. We need to let the gospel lead us. And so I ask you, what fear is it that pops up that causes you to compromise the gospel? Can you ask yourselves in that time, is this fear really bigger than the crucified and risen Jesus? The answer is always going to be no. Our faith is reflected in how we confront our fears. The conversation with those LDS missionaries is a difficult one because it truly hits home. My parents are LDS. 
And, and I want them to know who the true Jesus is. I want them to know they're free. They're free from having to work for faith. To work for their salvation. I tell myself that, well, maybe they believe just enough. But man, that's a compromise. That is not the truth. So, can I encourage you to remind yourselves of who died on the cross for you? To remind yourselves of who you found hope in. The Jesus that paid it all. Because when pressure comes, and it will, to persuade you to modify by adding to or subtracting from what he has done, we need to remember the cross. We have to remember the cross. Because that statement is so true. He laid himself down out of love for us. So that we'd be free. Man, and that's what we are. We're so free. We're free from death. We're free from fear. So trust in him. And he will guide you through those fears. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.